this is Mike Dilt with the Relax Back UK show on UK Health Radio, your global real feel-good radio station. On the Relax Back UK show we explore all kinds of health topics, so keep listening and enjoy the ride. Thank you for joining me, Mike Dilk, on this week's Relax Back UK show. Now, I've spoken about changes in our transport and commuting habits uh, in the past, but this week I try and look ahead into the future of what might happen in, say, 20 years' time. We're seeing trials of uh, autonomous buses uh, and autonomous vehicles in different parts of the world. We're even seeing trials of flying taxis in parts of the world. Futurist Tom Cheeswright gives some ideas on how we might be getting around in two decades' time. Then advice for right now on how we can use less energy when driving, whether that be in a new electric car or a traditional diesel or petrol car. And this is from acoustics expert Dr Duncan Williams. Using music to help you mediate putting your foot to the floor and burning lots of gas, or in this case lots of range you know electricity still costs money (laughs) gas is not cheap right now but um electricity isn't particularly cheap either then there's also some news on the uk health radio awards so please stay with me for a great show thank you Okay, voting is now open for the 2022 UK Health Radio Awards. A past guest from the Relax Back UK show and other shows on the station have been put forward. And you can vote by going to the UK Health Radio website, which is ukhealthradio.com. Go to the homepage and right in the middle there's a, a button you can click on, the vote button, and that will take you to the voting page. Somewhere near the bottom uh, of this page you have to scroll through it you can vote for your favorite presenter now there are over 40 of us now uh, so plenty to choose from however i am a little biased so please do choose me go on just click that button uk health radio the station that makes you feel good It used to be hard to find the world's most wonderful alcohol-free drinks. Not anymore. Whether it's a health thing, a lifestyle thing, or you're trying new things, make sure you save yourself from the guessing game of the supermarket shelves and shop with zerozilchzip.co.uk for the world's most carefully curated range of alcohol-free beers, wines, spirits, and more. Health Radio listeners can save 5% with the code HEALTH5. Visit zerozilchzip.co.uk or click our banner on the UK Health Radio website. Discover alcohol freedom with zero zilch zip. Because nothing's better. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. Tom Cheeswright is a futurist, and he's been spending some time thinking about how we might all be getting around Uh, means of transport in 20 years time but I started off by asking him what is a futurist anyway? Uh, So uh, I work with organisations around the world mostly big companies but also bits of government and charities and others to try to answer two questions Um, first of all what does the future look like and particularly their future 
And second of all, I try to answer the question that inevitably throws up, which is, what on earth do we do about it? So I get involved in answers as well as questions, if you like. OK, it's I've got to say, it sounds like you're a very brave person. Because, you know, <laughs> my, my thinking about predictions is it's a very dangerous thing to get into. So, is it, I mean, is it even possible to predict our future transport habits in 20 years time? I think you can definitely predict what. Predicting when is much more challenging. And that's why I like this sort of optimistic vision from Zigo for 2040. Because I think some of these things will come about. Some of these things are already real in some parts of the world. And that's one of the sort of the methodologies of futurism, if you like. You look at where things are already happening on a small scale and see where they might scale up and become mainstream and widespread. So, for example, we're seeing trials of uh, autonomous buses uh, on autonomous vehicles in different parts of the world we're even seeing trials of flying taxis in parts of the world which may become a reality oh, where, where, where are we seeing that uh, in middle east in china canada's looking at trials they're already building actually ports so landing spots for these potential future vehicles here in the uk uh, we've had funding to build one i think there's one near coventry uh, and they're looking at sites around london as well wow okay so i'm gonna say in a previous life um i i was a civil engineer so I, I, I have spent some time thinking about these sorts of things. And I've actually done some shows on the future of transport. And I, I, I noticed that in the report, there was mention of bike paths. But are those going to be the only things on them? Because, you know, there's all kinds of fantastic, futuristic, electric sort of personal mobility things, you know, electric roller skates, skateboards, mean bots electric unicycles I've seen even you know there's loads of brilliant stuff is you know uh, is that all going to be on these bike paths so this is why we need to have this conversation now because I think there are interesting challenges with regards to putting personal electric vehicles on the same paths as bicycles they can potentially be faster they can brake harder potentially they have different sort of uh, steering characteristics you know the, the behavior of all of these different vehicles is going to be quite varied and so you've got to say well actually do they work on a bike path do they work on the road actually when we're shifting to more autonomous vehicles on the road that might have better safety characteristics better behaviors you know, what is the most appropriate place to put those vehicles? What we can't do is what we've done historically, which is not really think about them at all, not legislate for them uh, and wait for them to crash over us like a wave or across the bonnet of a taxi, uh, as yeah. I saw when I was seeing them trialled in Nashville a few years ago. Well, my, my, yeah, my, my, my thought is that probably putting them on bike tracks, because cyclists might be a little more tolerant than your average taxi driver, I'd suggest. Well, it depends who's driving the taxi. Um, if it's a machine driving the taxi, they're going to be very tolerant indeed. Uh, and that's, you know, again, it's, it's, it's why this conversation is important. It's why it's really interesting that it's an insurance company bringing it up. Because all of this technology is being developed. We get very excited by the prospect of flying cars, drones delivering our pizza, all of these things. But none of it actually happens. None of it comes to fruition unless you've got civil engineers, unless you've got local authorities, unless you've got national government, and unless you've got the sort of financial infrastructure around it like insurance companies like Zego to say yeah okay we understand the risks we've examined this we're going to put in place the relevant policies and infrastructure to make this stuff possible. I suppose if you kind of let it just grow uh, and and happen without a, a plan um, the result could easily, easily be chaos 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think you know, a conversation is happening now. And I was very pleased by the results of the survey, actually, that the EO commissioned, where you got you know, 60% of the population came back and said they're excited about this. And over a third are already using some form of electric transport. You know, this is stuff that people are experiencing, starting to get used to, and recognising the possible benefits for as well. And if you yeah. go and look at the, the sort of the visuals that they've created around this report, the sort of renderings, you know, three-dimensional renderings of the possibility of a future high street you see that actually there's some really attractive possibilities there we're changing the way we use city centers at the moment you know, we've got this long trend towards sort of re-urbanization we're moving back into city centers there's a, a an ongoing transformation to be done as we start to move away from fossil fuels and make those centers even more usable let me pick you up or not pick you up ask you really about what a, a specific because in the report it talks about buses being uh, smaller and being able to go lots more places than regular bus routes and, and first off you know that seems very uh, enticing but I'm just thinking at some of the places that I've sort of seen around the world where there are lots of small private buses I'm thinking in Turkey mm. they have these things called dolmuş which dolmuş means to fill up with as much as you possibly can it appears so you have lots of little minibuses absolutely crammed with people. And then in the Philippines, you have jeepneys, which is kind of similar. And they, they always appear in cities that are kind of chaotic and crazy. So I'm wondering, are they chaotic and crazy because of these small private buses? Or do you need the small <laughs> private buses because of the chaos and the crazy? You know, which comes first, you know? It's or about is that a silly question. No, no, it's about recognizing the context in which people travel, and that's changing at the moment. We've seen changes in the patterns, the way people work and live. And it's about building an appropriate public transport system or transport system for the current context. And you know, the sort of the fixed bus route with you know loads of commuters trying to get to the mill or to the office or from the suburbs to the city centre isn't necessarily the most appropriate option in a time when people are working different hours, they're working different patterns, they're working from different places uh, and actually the, the shopping behaviors have all shifted as well we live very different life patterns to we did what we did when people created sort of the historical transport systems and so something like an autonomous bus that can respond to demand that can actually maybe move dy dynamically you know some really interesting work's been doing around been done around replanning bus routes based on mobile phone data to understand where people actually want to go to and from you, know, you take that and put it into real time and say actually look we've we know that different points in the day we've got different levels of demand maybe even actually you get sort of you know collective you know groups if groups can call a bus rather than an individual pod uh, or you know one person in a taxi for four you can actually get a, a an autonomous bus that can move a group of 16 20 people who all happen to want to go from one spot to another say for example when the pubs close yeah you, know, you know that a lot of people are going to want to get from the pub to the train station so why not have some buses do that rather than 93 taxis you know all of those things are possible as you start to shift into this sort of next generation of technology i do like the sound of a lot of this stuff i i, I have to say um what about an, another sort of detail i'm thinking of details really this thing of autonomous single person cars i think that's a great idea because if you look at cars in central london the bulk of them have one person in don't they you know it's just one person driving a car taking up all that space so it seems like a great idea, but will these things be sort of privately owned? Can we get over this wanting 
this desire to own our own car or they'll all be up for hire and sort of whizzing around the streets and we'll just call one up. I think we're already getting over our desire to own a car. I mean, you know, 91%, I think, the latest figures of new cars are bought on finance. We don't really own them. We borrow them for a few years and then give them back and get another one. And likewise, actually, the majority of secondhand cars now are bought on finance as well. We're basically leasing large parts of our life. And it's become a familiar principle for so much of the things we buy. We lease our media. We lease our phones, effectively, by paying the mobile phone company a, a bit over the odds each month for a nicer device. You know, these things are very familiar model and actually even homes you know more and more renting less and less ownership both for economic and cultural reasons but they still I... feel like ours don't they i mean if even if you lease a car you still i don't know put your furry dice up in the window or whatever <laughs> whatever it might be and put your stamp on it but you, you increasingly Increasingly, you don't necessarily own the bike that you ride through a city centre. You don't necessarily own the scooter that you ride through a city centre. These are becoming very familiar models to people. And yet, I, when I, I got my first electric bike, electrically assisted bike, you know, the difference between actually me cycling somewhere and me using that bike in terms of my appearance when I arrived was so enormous, you know, because I wasn't a sweaty mess when I got to the studio or wherever <laughs> it was, that actually that, that really appeals. Now, add to that a cabin so that I'm not going to be soaking wet and turning up looking like a drowned rat as well. And, you know, combine that with the challenge we have in terms of our roads, which, as you say, most of the cars have one person in. We don't need more roads. We just need to make more efficient use of the space we've got. Uh, and these single-person pods or actually open top you know electric vehicles you know, do make an awful lot of sense no i think they sound fun what about the actual business of how uh, cities work as far as cargo and sort of stuff is concerned because in, in the report there was this kind of interesting idea of delivery flying big flying drones that would deliver, I don't know, everything that an office needs. I suppose I was going to say paper, that, but that might be a bit outmoded <laughs> now. New computers or seats or, or whatever. And these things are delivered to the top of a building. And that, that made me think, because part of my business actually is, is supplying ergonomic equipment to businesses. And uh, I delivered a load of stuff to the walkie-talkie a while ago. And... Um, I went to the basement. It's like going into sort of you drive your vehicle into a lift and it descends into the basement. And it's like something out of a James Bond movie. But that's kind of how modern deliveries are made, you know, that into the basement of large buildings. And the top of the building is where that is the high quality real estate. You know, that's where the boss has his office. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know what, the boss isn't going to be ha very happy with all of a sudden. At the top, it's the warehouse, and maybe he's got to have his office in the basement. Well, if you talk to any large property developer, and I get to do this a lot in my job, they'll tell you that one of the biggest challenges they have at the moment is receiving deliveries. Not deliveries for the businesses in the building, but deliveries for the individuals in the building, shopping off all of the different you know, e-commerce platforms and having stuff delivered while they're at work rather than at home. And when, actually, they, when they should be working, they're busy shopping. No, absolutely. Or, you know, they're just shopping in their lunch hour and they're not at home, yeah, yeah. so they need things delivered. And you know, no property developer has managed to f build a, uh, a sort of a re receival room, a storage room big enough to cope with the volume of deliveries yet. Every time they build a bigger one, they find they need even more space. So actually the ability to deliver these things autonomously in small volumes into the top of the building, particularly if you can get the design of the drone right. And this is a really interesting field of research at the moment. They're looking at how you bring the noise profile 
profile of these drones down because actually the noise is potentially quite intrusive and there's been some fascinating stuff done on for example the edge of the rotor blades if the rotor blades are all the same shape then all of the rotors make the noise at the same pitch so you get a very high volume noise at a really irritating pitch what they're doing is varying the profile of the rotor blade so that it's spread across more different frequencies so you get a much lower volume at across a range of frequencies and it's not quite so intrusive you know all of this sort of stuff making the electric motors quieter increasing the safety you know all of that might mean that if you are in that penthouse suite of an office you know with the corner overlooking the city wherever it may be maybe actually having this flying drone dropping on the top isn't quite so intrusive okay interesting and what about the kind of the obvious question if if your staff are having their pizzas delivered for lunch and then the business is having a new computer delivered and all of a sudden there are hundreds maybe thousands of these drones of all different sizes some of them with people in um isn't that just going to be like chaotic there's going to be there's going to be accidents yeah, there is a huge amount of working out to do around how all this stuff works. And it's why it's so important we start having the conversation now before we start building it. Although I have to say, some of the property owners I've spoken to are already putting in landing pads for these things into their building plans. They're already considering this. But we've got to have people like Zigo and insurer involved because there's clearly risks associated. We've got to have people like pedestrians and cyclists and drivers involved about what they want the future to look like. We've got to have local authorities involved. We've got to have the business themselves involved yeah i think there are technological solutions to some of this you know you can stack the drones as battery power gets denser and the batteries get lighter they can just hover for a while until they can drop their thing off you can have a variety of solutions one of the things i really liked and actually the, the renders that zigo's done of this report so you can see in three dimensions what a future high street might look like is actually these sort of uh, rolling delivery banks you know sort of the banks you see at petrol stations and stuff where you can you, the lockers where you can drop things off and pick things up yeah. have those turn up as sort of temporary street furniture outside of an office when there's demand you get a text message to say your parcel's outside go and pick it up at lunchtime and then the thing can roll away again so it's not obstructing the pavement or the road you know, some yeah. really interesting possibilities where we're not just reliant on one mode of doing things by the way you can see all that at zigo.com 2040 i really encourage you to go and look at these renders you can click through because there's some great visualizations of what this future high street might look like uh, very interesting, and I and I do like that idea of the sort of the the, the rolling lockers. Mm. Um, there was there was a mention of a similar thing of how food might be delivered at, at lunch like that, and I, I wasn't so sure about that. I thought, oh, that just that sounds like curly sandwiches on wheels. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I, but in general, I do love these ideas. But let me ask, let me ask you a kind of a this is a serious discussion as well. So it's quite a serious question. If an autonomous bus hits an autonomous single person vehicle from an insurance point of view who pays you know because i'm in it it's my car but i'm not driving it so it ain't my problem pal no, you know, and I'll, I'll leave that sort of conversation to the lawyers and the insurers. But you're right. You know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting philosophical question. It's an interesting practical question, uh, and it's an interesting technological question as well because you've got to have some sort of decision making in there. You know, maybe it's got you know a choice between hitting uh, a single person autonomous vehicle and hitting a pedestrian because someone steps out and it has to swerve. It can't brake in time. You know, all of these things are being fed into sort of collectives of you know AI programmers. 
philosophers, you know, scientists, ethicists. You know, these conversations are going on at the moment, and it's why I'm, I'm quite encouraged to see a, a, a you know, an insurance company recognizing this and going, "We love these ideas. It's really exciting. We can clean up our cities, but there's a lot still to be worked out between now and when this, you know, when this, you know, the time when this technology is both practical, but also we can build the relevant infrastructure, both legal and financial and physical around it so out of all this stuff which i've got to say you know it's fabulously interesting and some of it's very exciting which bit do you love the best which bit do you want to have fun being involved with in 20 years time yeah, a bit like you, I'm really enthused by the sort of the, the little electric pods, the personal transport. You know, I love whizzing around on my, on my electric bike. It's 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 my first choice of transport's walking. My second choice of transport, I'm feeling energetic as my normal bike. Third choice is my electric bike. Uh, but the idea that I could rock up in a city and rather than waiting for a cab in the rain, as I've done so many times, that there'd just be this fleet of pods that could pick me up, take me where I'm going. I, I love that idea, partly because it, it just feels convenient, but partly because it feels like something out of science fiction and unlike most futurists i'm a bit of a science fiction nerd <laughs> did you read a lot of science fiction as a kid i read a lot of science fiction as an adult <laughs> oh, do you? all right, <laughs> all right. So, finally if people are listening to this and thinking you know what this is sounds utterly bonkers or it sounds fabulously interesting but either way i want to just have a little nose and find out a, a bit more about uh, that these ideas and potential things for the future. Um, you, you, you mentioned a, a website a bit earlier. Yeah. But mention that again and yeah. any other sources of information. Yeah, so check out zego.com, Z-E-G-O.com slash 2040. Um, so you know, Zego is an insurance company that's actually already involved in things like these electric scooter schemes. So it's already working on this stuff. Uh, and go and check out the uh, go and check out the renders, the visualizations, and the research as well. Some really interesting and very positive stuff about what people think about this, and the level of excitement and optimism people have, much more than the the pessimism you might expect. Um, and it's all there at zego.com slash twenty forty two zero four zero. Excellent. All right. Absolutely fascinating, Tom. Thank you very much indeed for chatting. My pleasure, Mike. The station that makes you feel good. It used to be hard to find the world's most wonderful alcohol-free drinks. Not anymore. Whether it's a health thing, a lifestyle thing, or you're trying new things, make sure you save yourself from the guessing game of the supermarket shelves and shop with zerozilchzip.co.uk for the world's most carefully curated range of alcohol-free beers, wines, spirits, and more. Health Radio listeners can save 5% with the code HEALTH5. Visit zerozilchzip.co.uk or click our banner on the UK Health Radio website. Discover alcohol freedom with Zero Zilch Zip. Because nothing's better. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. Dr. Duncan Williams is a psychoacoustician and he's been working on our driving habits. We look at the link between acoustics and how we drive. But first of all, I asked him, what is a psychoacoustician? It doesn't mean that I 
um, go around in showers with headphones. Uh, but it's to do with my work's really about how humans respond to sound and music. So both psychologically and also physiologically. So what happens right. in our brains and our bodies when we listen to sound? Um, and of course, music's the most interesting kind of sound that we, we get when uh, when we have to listen to things. So um, music's a very kind of powerful stimulus to explore. Well, it, it definitely changes behavior. I know it changes my behavior. But let me just ask you a question, which is kind of a bit off topic. So apologies. But this my family right, has just got a puppy. So we're a few months in. It's all very exciting. And um, I don't know whether it's our imagination, but sometimes we think the dog is actually listening to and responding to music. So do dogs have rhythm? <laughs> well, I must confess, I'm not hugely well versed on uh, the animal um, side of things, but I've definitely seen animals respond to music in the kind of similar way to the way that we would. And uh, certainly great apes have music. So chimpanzees enjoy drumming, for example. Right. Okay. Um, so it's not a huge leap to imagine that your dog uh is, is listening in. I think what you could do, not that I'm suggesting you do, or all your listeners do scientific experiments on their pets, but you could... No, we'll leave uh, that to our children. We'll do, we'll do it on our children. Though. Yeah, you, you, so, could, yeah. Uh, you could choose some very specific pieces and see whether, um, whether they respond in the same kind of way. But if you do that, do it at the same sort of time of day. So whether it's before the walk or after the walk or when, when they've been fed... Because all of those factors play yeah. into how humans respond to music. You, there's a time and a place to listen to some uh, motorhead, but it's probably not when you've had a rough day and a long drive home and you've got the bubble bath out and the candles on. And that There's probably a different piece of music. Now, that will vary for every person and it might vary for every dog. But the general circumstances will lead to a situation where there's something that's appropriate for you yeah. or for right. the listener and something that isn't. I suppose what, what I'm going to take away from that, that some animals, you know, great apes do respond to music, is that actually it's pretty basic and deep rooted. It's going to be sort of deep in our psyche, such that it's very difficult for us to avoid it and turn it off, even if we wanted to. Yeah, I mean, it's hardwired. So neuroscientists have this idea of there being um a, a a lizard part of the brain a bit of the brain that actually decides whether audio needs to go up to your upper cerebral cortex or whether it needs to just be ignored because the world is a noisy place um and we have to make kind of decisions about whether to listen or not all the time but it's interesting that across all cultures we have music and whether the, the music changes, of course, culturally, mm -hmm. um, Indian ragas are very different to Western classical music, but they have um, the same depth and breadth of emotional expression, instrumentation, storytelling, and it, it, they, they are built up over generations and generations and generations. So music is not something that you can ignore. Um, and also we all like different parts of music. Everybody has a different favourite band or a different favourite genre. Yeah. But it, I've never met anybody yet that will say to me, I just don't get music. I don't listen to any of it. 
Okay, interesting. So because we all respond, um, say if I had a business, say if I had a shop and I wanted people to buy lots of stuff, I might employ you to um, give me some advice on what music to play. Yeah, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head. That is actually an industry. People literally do that and are paid to create engaging soundscapes for shopping malls and things. Um, right. you know, the, the classic example is the elevator music, where yep. people are awkward in a silent space um, with strangers. So the music takes the edge off. But it can't be something that they know. It can't be something that's too kind of engaging. It just needs to be enough. And there, there are, you know, techniques that people can use with music that tap in to those kinds of impulses. And shopping is is one. Um, yeah. But there are, you know, there are nice. Uh, the idea of using music to sell things isn't new. But the flip side to that is that there are ways of using music to help people. Um, okay. And so, uh, one example would be using music to encourage you to take your walk. Um, or using music to help you in the gym, do your exercise. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the driving example that uh, that has come up here is using music to help you mediate putting your foot to the floor and yeah. burning lots of gas, or in this case, lots of range. You know, electricity still costs money. <laughs> Gas is not cheap right now, but um, yeah. electricity isn't particularly cheap either. So no, it's important. Can... And I'm, I'm surprised it sort of hasn't, as a topic, come up before. Because I know if I'm driving and the music changes, my style of tra- driving changes, which, which will lead to different fuel consumption, but actually also a different style of driving, which isn't necessarily a good thing. You know, so... If if the music's too loud, you know, I might drive too fast or if it's a, a different, you know, tempo or what have you. So presumably this idea has been around um, for a while, has it, Duncan? Well, it it's it basically this this study by Kia for their EV6. This is a new electric car. Um, they're interested in it because they put a very fancy hi-fi inside the car. Because it's a quiet car and you've got a fancy hi-fi, you can really hear the difference between something that's very dynamic, so something like some classical music. Um, whereas if you listen to classical music in your diesel vehicle, it doesn't say there's anything wrong with that, but you might sometimes struggle to hear what's going on. So radio stations that commercially broadcast classical music will heavily compress the music before it reaches the listener. And that actually kind of changes the way the music is. It's almost like being shouted at, which is not what you want when you're listening to something that's trying you're trying to use to mediate um, a strong emotional response. If you're trying to relax yourself, you don't want to be shouted at. And you're exactly right that music could change you from being in one emotional state to another, and that might not be a good thing. Uh, so it does depend on you and your choice of music and how you listen to it there are times though when i think um you know a, the purpose of a car is usually two for twofold one is to get you from a to b um in the most efficient way possible without any accidents and the other is sometimes to have fun if you're up in glencoe <laughs> and you've got nice open road and it's a beautiful part of the world listening to some up-tempo music and driving within the speed limit 
um, could be great fun. So there are times when music that would maybe match that emotional state would be really positive. You can kind of try this as an experiment on yourself. If you watch and a it film, might not be appropriate in the you know in in, in small suburban streets. You know, a- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You, you watch a film with a with a driving sequence in it and watch that film on mute. Um, I, I would say Casino Royale because it's got this great driving sequence through the Alps um, with the mm-hmm. with the Aston Martin. But you could also pick the Italian Job, um, where you've got this sequence. That's the with, one that I had in mind as, yeah. as you said that what you were talking about. I thought, yeah, Italian Job. And um, you can it's, now watch that scene. Well, it's a long old scene in the Italian Job, isn't it? But you know, watch that watch that half of the film on mute, and it kind of loses its charm a little bit. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's not a new idea. It just kind of confirms what you already really knew, which is that music mm-hmm. will change the way that you behave. And if you know that and you can hear what's going on, that's a really powerful tool, a tool to use ideally for the better. You know, hopefully no one's going to, um, sitting at home is going to think, well, now I'm going to put something on that's really going to make me a bad driver. Um, <laughs> but driving for fun with the right music is is in my view that's perfectly fine you know choose so, the right music all right so, 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 so let's move that on the sort of music uh, you listen to and even the quality of that music might change the range you get out of any vehicle and possibly we're talking electric vehicles here so possibly uh, an electric vehicles might matter a bit more because there's all this range anxiety that people have yeah i think well, it would apply to a a petrol or a diesel vehicle just as yeah. much except that like you say there's the range anxiety so if you really want to get the most out of out of your ev you you could just tell yourself drive drive conservatively drive cautiously but constantly repeating that over and over isn't really a um, it's not it's, the most exciting mantra is yeah it? and it's not get up in the morning and say drive cautiously it's a bit sort of anxiety yeah. inducing as well it, it, it might be yeah it's i i would i think that if you could Choose an appropriate soundtrack that you know will work for you. Um, and that gives you a pleasurable driving experience where you can enjoy the music, but also get a bit more out of the car. Yeah, That's a, that's a you know, they've, they've kind of stumbled on a really nice finding there. It's an interesting thing. All right. So can we can we put some figures, some figures to some of this? You know, so if we're going along, if I'm driving along listening to Motorhead or I'm listening to something, I don't really... I wouldn't drive long listening to Motorhead because <laughs> I'm old and boring. But um, something that I'm more likely to listen to that's a bit more gentle. What kind of figures? What percentage more mileage am I going to get? For the exact figures, um, I'm going to direct you to to the, the Kia website for that. Um, but I can tell you that when people were listening to Beethoven Symphony Number no. Nine during this test, they were getting an increase in the range, significant increase in the range. And it's a much more relaxing piece of music. So what, like 2%, 20%? I, uh, you're putting me on the spot, but it's not 2%. Sorry about um, that. So for the exact figures, I'll, I'll, I'll look them up, but kiapressoffice.com has that stuff in there. Okay. Um, but it, it was closer to the sort of 20%-ish mark, as I remember. But, you know, the, people always say 80-20. And so that's yeah. you, you can tell it's a made-up stat if somebody says 20%. Because it's never twenty <laughs> percent. 
Okay, so somebody in my cans has just told me that Beethoven increased the range by four times over the pop music examples. Um, so that's a lot of range, uh, four times. The mileage increases by four times. That's that's amazing. That's, yeah, that is something else, isn't it? Four times more efficient um, in your range when you're listening, when, when you're when you're driving yeah. so it's not amount of miles goes up by four it's efficiency, efficiency. goes up by four efficiency. whatever that is yeah so the let's 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 yeah so if the efficiency goes up by four times when you're listening to relaxing music of course it's not because you're listening to relaxing music it's because you're driving in a more efficient way but yeah. the, but the influence of the music was there i mean that's quite a whopping finding isn't it it puts the it, it puts the twenty percent in the shade. All of a sudden. Yeah. Um, All right. What, what about what about if um, again? Because I've said a couple of times I'm old and boring. What about if I if I'm listening to Radio Four or a talk radio? Yeah. Um, you're. I I used to work in a music studio um, before I was an academic, and I could not stand listening to music on the drive home. So I would listen to Radio Four or talk radio. Um, or UK Health Radio, possibly. or U- UK Health Radio. I think. I think if you listen to UK Health Radio, the efficiency would go through the roof. Well, there's a study. So we, um, you know, one of the things about um, the human voice is it, it shares all of the properties of music. Uh, it's got pitch, it's got timing, it's got timbre, um, and being able to hear a voice clearly makes a lot of difference i suspect over lockdown we've all had video calls where the quality of the audio hasn't quite worked and it's very frustrating kind of thing good quality audio makes a difference in all human interactions we we, we're not hugely resilient creatures by default it's very very unusual for a human to sort of survive all on their own and one of the cues about that is we need to be able to talk um, or communicate you know, obviously there are people that um, have their own uh, issues with that, but um, being able to communicate with other humans ensures our survival. So a good quality sound system when you're listening to UK Health Radio uh, will help you enjoy what you're listening to way more, whether that's in a car or whether that's in your living room or whether it's on a really good DAB um, outside in the, in the garden on a sunny day. Kind of all, all is still the same. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. One thing that I have noticed with um, electric cars, and this is kind of soundscape in general, actually, is that a number of times I've actually stepped out in front of them. And I'm sure everyone's got an experience of this because they sound different. So maybe if if, uh, the driver has got motorhead blaring and the window down, I'm less likely to step out in front of him. So it might (laughs) might be safer. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? it? It's one of the things that people often worry about with electric vehicles in general. And you see it with electric scooters nowadays, that the government haven't quite made up their mind about what to do about electric scooters. I like them. I, I think they're a way ahead. And they're really cool. I think they're cool too. <laughs> um, and it's a question of whether you put a warning sound on them and how you deal with yeah. that. Cars yeah. actually make a... Electric cars do still make a noise because there's the sound of the friction of the wheels on the surface and things. And... You, yeah, music would probably. I mean, we we've all had this experience, I'm sure, of hearing loud music from a car um, yeah. when you're not inside the car, and sometimes it's problematic and, and an unwelcome kind of sound, but it goes away pretty quickly. 
Um, so yeah, the motorhead example would be an interesting one. Um, <laughs> I, the reality is that electric vehicles are, they're going to be what the, the way forward. Um, and how we deal with that worry of not being able to hear the thing will be a challenge that you'll see that come up in legislation very soon. Um, So. And is that the sort of thing that you might be working on in the future, do you think, Duncan? Well, in our lab, we we, last year, we literally spent some time working on an electric scooter warning sound for one of the big Uh um, electric scooter companies. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's definitely something... We, you can't have a warning sound that um, that is distressing when you've got lots and lots and lots of them around. You imagine no. in a city and you've got uh, electric cars or electric scooters and they're all making this alarm sound to alert pedestrians. Yeah, it'd be horrible. Yeah, you've got chaos. So it's, it's kind of a challenge. Um, and the government haven't actually made their mind up about electric scooters just yet. They were promising a decision... Right by last month, I think. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll park that one. Yeah. We'll, we'll revisit that. But but for now, if people have been listening to this idea of um, music or Radio 4 or even UK Health Radio on the sound system, changing the um, the, the, the efficiency they get from uh, their, their driving habits from their car, and think, yeah, this is really interesting. I would like to find out a bit more. You mentioned uh, a website a couple of times. Can you... Um, point people to the right place yeah so the website that i point them to is the the, the kia press um website which has got all the the tracks and the results and the detail of that so so it's on uh kia press office.com k-i-a press office.com excellent all right um dr duncan williams thank you very much indeed for chatting uh, this stuff is really interesting and i i i just know it's going to keep on going because it's you know these evs are now part of our lives so thank you very much indeed thanks very much for your time mike have a a great day thank you very much to my guests on this week's show and they were futurist tom cheese right and dr duncan williams who's a psychoacoustician and of course thank you to you for listening that was the relaxed back uk show with me mike dill Thank you for listening and please do join us again next time.